Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. As you might imagine, the great performance from the UGA guys at the NFL Combine this past week still getting a lot of attention, and it's getting a lot of attention, I would say, from some of the most important people who could notice. Now, eventually we know that when Georgia got the kind of commercial that it got on the NFL Network this past weekend, it's just in intuitive that's going to eventually benefit UGA recruiting we have no reason to believe that won't be true however what I want to point out today is the possibility that the impact of the combine can benefit George in other ways beyond just future recruits taking notice and choosing UGA because of that there's actually more benefits other than just that in fact Georgia may be experiencing some of those right now let me start with this so as fun as it was to watch the former Georgia players going through drills and how many of those guys had shockingly good 40-yard dash times, including uh, Jordan Davis obviously tipping the Toledos at 341 pounds and yet running a blazing fast 40-yard dash almost for any human, but certainly for someone as big as he was, as uh, big as he is, as fun as all that is to see, part of the thing that I enjoy as much as anything else is a chance to hear these guys also speak there as well. And if you go to the Dog Nation YouTube page, you can see all of this for yourself and take a moment to listen to all this for yourself. And no doubt in the weeks and days to come on our show, we'll continue to unpack a lot of what those guys said during their press conference. But to see a guy like, for instance, Jordan Davis sitting there at the podium, it's a confluence of topics. You have NFL-themed media asking Davis about moving on to the NFL. You have team-specific NFL media who are kind of talking about the possibility that Davis – might land at their at their you know organization or whatever you know uh georgia player might be talking at this point in time but you also have a heavy dose of college football media including our team from dog nation on hand there as well specifically mike griffith and it's a great chance in kind of a relaxed atmosphere at least relaxed in terms of you're not you know in the daily grind of a college football season a little bit more relaxed atmosphere to get some thoughts on how that player viewed his time at Georgia and what he thinks of Georgia now that he's gone and really if you want to zero in on the part that's always the most interesting to me and eventually we'll probably do a lot of this on our show we're starting to do some of it now but the thing that's always the most interesting to me about former Georgia player in a pre-draft press conference is that moment when he does get to talk about what he thinks of the school that he's now a fan of like there's a way in which Jordan Davis becomes like you and me he's gone from being the guy that wears the Georgia uniform and now he's the guy that wears the Georgia sweatshirt or the Georgia t-shirt if you can find one that's big enough to fit him that he's cheering on this team much the same way all of us are and the question comes up of what do you think about what's left at Georgia and who gets a chance to emerge for Georgia now that you're no longer there now I'm going to set this clip up by saying this is that as luck would have it it's the maybe the most interesting thing that Dave has said but it's also the moment and I do this from time to time because I'm kind of you know bouncing around all over the place I have a hard time sitting still every now and then you'll hear me you know knock my microphone or bump into the desk or something like that and I guess Davis does the same thing here, and he's bigger than I am. So when he bumps a microphone, that microphone very much feels it. So this happens right before Davis gives his answer, or right as Davis gives his answer. So the audio quality on this is not exactly perfect necessarily. It's also one of those things where 
you have a lot of these press conferences going on concurrently, so there's always going to be a little bleed over with the mic of loud players speaking 10 feet over, who we hear a little bit of his audio there as well. But what you're about to hear for a moment is, and this sets us up for a conversation, what you're about to hear in a moment is Mike Griffith asked Jordan Davis, now that a lot of great defensive linemen are leaving UGA, what do you think about what is left? And listen carefully to see if you can hear it. Admittedly, this is not great audio quality, but that's just the way it was recorded there in Indianapolis last week. But still worth hearing the words of Jordan Davis, this from last week. Jordan, who are some of the guys that are going to emerge at Georgia now that you as Devontae, Trayvon, moving on? Um, Jalen Carter. Um, Sorry, I'll load those guys and few freshmen that's going to, uh, you know, step up and do their thing. And I'm just willing, um, ready to see them play. You know, um, they know what to do. They're well coached. And, just to, and to see them next year, it'll be a great experience. So you can hear at the end how the techie from uh the nfl kind of got the microphone like fixed back again at the very end it comes in perfectly after kind of being a little distant there for a second but you basically heard jordan davis give you three answers to mike's question of hey now that you and Devonte wyatt and trayvon walker are gone what's left at uga who steps up now that you're not there i find three things to be interesting first of all jordan davis didn't take two seconds didn't take even a half a second to say oh uh, it's jalen carter Jalen Carter is the best player on Georgia's team for 2022. If there was a media guy, we don't really do that anymore, but if there was a media guy, Carter would be on the cover of it. If there were the old school paper tickets. Remember, like one of the things I used to love in the summer, my grandfather was a Georgia season ticket holder, and it was that moment, I guess it would have been like early August, where the tickets came in the mail. And for those of you who remember this, it was always like a big piece of cardboard, and you tore off the individual tickets when for that particular game. But when the season ticket came in, it's like a big piece of cardboard, kind of an uncut sheet that had all those tickets. And I was always very curious as a kid to see what picture was on each of those tickets. Well, if you were doing that in 2022, Jalen Carter would be very prominently on one of those tickets. It's just one of the ways in which you touted you know, a, a great player at a, at a place like Georgia. We don't really do that, but if we did, Jalen Carter would be in so many ways the face of this program for the upcoming season the lack of hesitation in Jordan Davis's answer is an indication of that. The other name that Davis brings up there, and I think this is a very important name, one of the most important for the upcoming spring practice, that's Zion Logue. I'm not a scout. I don't pretend to be, but I feel like I've seen some pretty good things from Zion Logue. I feel like it's hard to be what Jordan Davis was, but in terms of that big physical presence in the middle of a defensive line that not only stops the run, but convinces teams to not even try to run. That's a very important part of what Jordan Davis did. Not only did Davis make stops on run plays, he made stops in the coaching room. He made stops in the game plan. He made stops of, well, should we even try to run if Jordan Davis is standing there? And very frequently the answer when playing Georgia was, no, let's not even try this running play because it's destined not to work anyway. You've literally beaten them before the game even begins. Zion Logue is not going to be asked to do some of that for Georgia. Hearing Davis mention his name only adds the intrigue of what Logue could be stepping into and what this spring could look like for him. The third thing that Davis says there is also pretty interesting too, which is he believes there are a lot of incoming freshmen who are going to have their chance there as well. And there's always going to be a natural fascination with young players in sports. 
like I grew up collecting baseball cards and things like that. Hot rookie is always a hot topic, right? It's always fun, whether it be NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, who's the hot rookie? That's always a fun thing to think about. Well, in college football, who are the names to know of incoming freshmen? That's always kind of a fun thing there too. So we're always going to have a natural tendency just to be curious about the possibility of hey, who are some of those incoming freshmen who may be able to to do some things for Georgia here this year? And we'll get to them. Obviously, we'll talk about that in a moment. But before that, I want you to hear a little bit more from Jordan Davis because the other thing that Davis talked about is if we do expect some young players, incoming freshmen, to have big seasons for Georgia or guy who's been here like Zion Logue to thrive in an expanded role, well, how does that happen? You know, What is the way in which – you know not to even say you're going to be as good as Jordan Davis but how do you play in such a way that it reminds you of Jordan Davis or reminds you of Devontae White or reminds you of Trayvon Walker how do you fill those shoes well in that same press conference Jordan Davis talked about kind of what that's all about and it's interesting to hear Davis speak about things other than the physical there's obviously some physical requirements when it comes to playing defensive line at the SEC level to place like Georgia but some of what Davis talks about, even though the combine put all that physicality on display, some of what Davis talked about goes beyond that and, and becomes about your approach to the game and the thing that motivates you as a player. Once again, more good stuff from Jordan Davis. Take a listen to this. It's about the love. You know, we always talk about love for our team. And, you know, in order for your team to be well, well rounded and well connected, they have to have that love. So. I'm sure those boys, they know what it takes to win, especially the older guys. So it should be in good shape next year. Interesting to hear Jordan Davis say that, hey, if you want to be great at football the way I've turned out to be, you better love the sport. And not only love the sport, you better love your team. You better love the opportunity that you've been given. And in some form or fashion, even if we've never played the sport quite at that level, in some form or fashion, we do kind of understand that's true. However, here's the thing that um, – I think we also probably somewhat intuitively understand if we don't understand it we should that conjuring up that love is not always an easy thing to do it's just not that that you know you want to love you know you should love football and you kind of want to but sometimes we've heard it said you kind of love the idea of football more than you actually love the grind there has to be a moment for many of these players they do question their commitment of why am I working so hard? How is all of this going to pay off for me? Is it worth it? Am I doing something that 20 years from now, I'm going to be glad that I did? And a lot of us who've tried to challenge ourselves with certain things in life, we do know what that feels feels like to be in the middle of something. Everything feels like it feels like a failure in the middle, uh, being in the middle of something and wondering, gosh, I'm working so hard. What's all of this for? And And to me, that's one of the things that I think makes the NFL scouting combine, the performance that the Georgia players had last week, the attention they got for that. That's one of the things about that that I think is so valuable. We all know that eventually it's going to pay off for Georgia in terms of recruiting because who wouldn't want to be the next Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker at a place like Georgia. But I think it also shows value for UGA right now because of the time we're in in the calendar. This is kind of pre-spring practice, although spring practice is right around the corner. This is the time in which players are asked to improve their bodies. They're asked to eat right. They're asked to work out harder than they've ever worked out before. They're asked to go through a grinded spring practice that, for the most part, happens away from the watchful eye of fan and media. You don't get those pats in the back. You don't get those loves, those accolades. You get pushed, and you get pushed back on, and you have a bunch of players in your position group, a bunch of players on the field who are all as good as you, and it's very hard to stand out. You have been at high school where you've been standing out amongst your peers for your entire life. All of a sudden now – 
everybody was that guy for his own high school, and that's a little bit anxiety-producing. You have to imagine it probably is. But when you see Jordan Davis have what happened to him and what's about to happen to him when he gets paid, or Devontae White, or Trayvon Walker, or a bunch of other guys at similar positions who are in kind of similar spots for UGA right now, all of a sudden, I think it makes it a little easier to buy into the task of improving yourself at football in this current part of the year when it's about getting your body right and it's about getting your mind right to go through the grind of spring practice or getting ready for the fall as well when all of that starts happening all over again. And the cool thing is a couple of very important people seem to be taking notice of all of this, or at least the general vibe that seems to exist around this. I want to show you a little bit of an exchange between a couple of UGA signees that give you an idea of the fact that maybe all the buzz that exists right now around the Georgia defensive lineman at the NFL scouting combine, maybe it's already paying off. Let me show you this on the screen here for a moment. Christian Miller, Georgia signee, says uh, back on March 6th on Twitter, in Trey Scott, we trust. Now, first of all, every Georgia fan agrees with that now. I'd love to kind of go back and find what some folks may have been saying about Scott years ago because we have a tendency to want to jump the gun on things. But as of right now, there is no Georgia fan who wouldn't fully co-sign on Christian Miller's statement that in Trey Scott, we trust. And obviously, Big Bear Alexander retweets that and kind of gives you the amen, basically also endorsing the notion that both Christian Miller uh big bear alexander so many of these other georgia defensive linemen are very excited about playing for trey scott at georgia now i take that to mean something and this is what i take it to mean that all of a sudden when trey scott pushes them whether it be in in some cases young freshmen during spring practice in other cases maybe maybe later on in the uh, summer or any position group pushing any group of elite uga recruits when those guys are pushed to be better this winter as they've been improving their bodies this spring, as they try to learn what it means to play in the Georgia program, heading towards the summer and into the fall as they actually try to earn some playing time with this program. When they are pushed to be the best version of themselves, all of a sudden those players have a very tangible reason why they ought to respond well to that kind of coaching. They ought to respond well to that kind of challenge because clearly Jordan Davis got better because of it. Clearly, Devontae Wyatt got better because of it. Frankly, Trayvon Walker was already a stud when he came here, but the truth is he has also turned out to be exactly what he was supposed to be. And if you don't think that Christian Miller notices that and Big Bear Alexander notices that, Mikael Williams notices that, other guys notice that, of course they do. This is why those power programs in college football kind of always seem to stay the same. Because once you get the cycle moving in the right direction, it does have a tendency to want to replicate itself. And now these guys, Christian Miller, Big Bear Alexander, you just heard from, they have a proof of concept. They can see themselves as a Vontae White or as a Trayvon Walker or as a Jordan Davis or as a Jalen Carter, who Jordan told you a moment ago, is the next one of those guys. They can see the steps in which they're trying to follow. And when you see the financial rewards that are about to come the way of the guys who've been through all of this, all the more motivation to go through it just as intensely just as aggressively as the previous georgia guys did this is how football is supposed to work and right now at uga it's working out exactly as it should my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented by breda pest management here today live on video starting at 9 45 first and 15 dognation.com dog nation app 10 a.m after that facebook youtube twitter twitch of course radio noon 
Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref Podcast, wherever you find them, all the various podcast platforms, the Apple Player, Spotify. Of course, we post the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. A lot of ways for you to connect with us. We are glad that you do all of that. Very thankful for you and very thankful for our friends at Breda Pest Management. Not because they're good friends of ours here at Dog Nation, have been for a long time, although we've only been telling you about them on the show here for a couple of weeks but also thankful for the great work in which they do. You know, they're big supporters of UGA there as well. In fact, they are the official pest management company for UGA Athletics. That means they're taking care of Sanford Stadium. They're taking care of Foley Field, the equestrian complex. So many cool venues. Breda Pest Management helps cover there for UGA. And if they're doing that kind of work for the dogs, imagine the kind of work they can do for you there as well. Because let's face it, think about Sanford Stadium here for a moment. On a surface that size, that's about uh, enough space for about a million termites. Now, one termite can do a bunch of damage, but think about a million termites. And if that's how much room you'd have for a million there at Sanford Stadium, think about your own home there as well. And that's where Breda Pass Management wants to step in, but not just bugs. They do critters as well. All of those things. You may have one company that does one, one company that does the other. Uh, Breda Pass Management can do all that for you. Truly, you're one source for all of that you need. They've been around since 1975. They've been taking good, uh, good care of folks for a long time. That's why Dog Nation trusts them. That's why I trust them. That's why you should there as well. It's Breda Pest Management. Now, for those of you listening to radio podcasts, let me explain this, that uh, Breda is B-R-E-D-A. That's Breda. Breda Pest Management. So if you go to their website, bredapest.com, you can learn a lot more, including what they can do for you. In Georgia, termites are just a thing. Like, if you haven't had them eventually, uh, if you haven't had them already, you will have them eventually. That's just what it means to live in Georgia. So you got to keep your house protected. Bredapest.com, the way to do that. B-R-E-D-A. That'll get you in touch, bredapast.com, for a lot more on that. All right, today's a little bit of a different type of show for us in that normally it's Mike Griffith here on a Wednesday for us, but Mike's on vacation, so we'll catch him again next week. We also had him on Monday show back from Indianapolis. He was there on the scene for the NFL scouting combine, as you heard a moment ago. So we'll speak to Mike again next Wednesday. Today, though, good special guest in his place. A little bit different time slot, but good special guest in his place. We're going to talk to Drew Butler in a moment. Now, Drew's a great former dog, follows the program obviously pretty closely, played in the NFL. But in addition to that, Drew is also an executive with Icon Sports Marketing, which is a company heavily involved in the NIL world. And there are obviously a lot of big changes that have taken place when it comes to NIL. There are more that are seemingly on the horizon. Drew actually wrote an interesting column about that recently. He's just heavily involved in all of this now that UGA has got its own name, image, likeness collective that's risen up here it just seems like an appropriate time to catch up with drew we haven't had drew on the show uh in really kind of a while in fact the last time we would talk to drew it would have been way before nil stuff so he's deeply involved in this world he's got a lot of interesting things to say about that we'll do that with him coming up in just a little bit before that though i do want to go around the doghouse here and i want to talk about a subject we really haven't talked about before and or at least I haven't talked about in a while and it's one of those things where i am given to hyperbole by nature in other words my temptation is always to want to hype things and when you kind of already start off wanting to hype things there's always a tendency to want to hype things more than they possibly should be especially when it comes to georgia football a subject that i care deeply about that you do there as well so there are times when i put some intentional governors on myself to prevent that from happening there's some times when i'm like hey ba maybe be careful and maybe don't overhype this because Sometimes it just makes a little bit more sense to be cautious more so than not. Example of that in the person of Arik Gilbert right now, who I can't help but notice that things with Gilbert seem to be 
trending in a pretty positive direction for UGA. Now, a lot of you know this. You've been following the show for a long time. Gilbert is one of the recruits that probably fascinated me when he came out of high school, married out of high school, as much as anybody ever has. I think that I, I just thought he was one of the truly unique specimens that I had seen in terms of a guy that big who was that polished as a pass catcher. I just thought he was really a very amazing prospect, really wanted to come to Georgia. He went to LSU. When Gilbert transferred to UG, I was thrilled about that because that's how good of a prospect I thought he was. But he's also now been away from football for a little while, seemingly working to get back where he's, from a health standpoint, able to play again. We've been rooting for him as he does that, for him personally, not just because it benefits us who care about UGA. We just think that the guys who have a chance to play football, football makes their life better. We want them to have a chance to play football. And so from that standpoint, we're rooting for Rick Gilbert and all of that. And the best you can tell, things seem to be going pretty well. Starts off in January. Remember when we saw Gilbert at the uh, national championship celebration? There was a photo of him that kind of got passed around the internet, all smiles, looking really good. That was kind of step one in all of this. Step two came last week. Maybe we should have talked about this at the time. As I said before, sometimes you try to kind of pump the brakes on some of this kind of stuff. So we didn't mention it, but it seems worth mentioning now that Gilbert was also honored by Georgia again last week for the second time as academic player of the week. I'll show you this tweet from Kirby Smart, at least for those of you watching on video. Smart saying congratulations to our academic players of the week. Gunnar Stockton apparently already settling in at UGA. He's one of those guys. Chris Smith doing some good things in the classroom. Great to see. But the other face here, and you can't help but notice this, it is Ari Gilbert. Gilbert got this honor not too long ago from Georgia there as well. So for the second time, he's academic player of the week which means that Gilbert's already a better student than I ever was. <laughs> if he's been honored as an academic guy twice, I can promise you that's more academic accolades than I ever got in the entirety of my college career. So Gilbert's already a better student than I was. But the point is, that was one of those things of, oh, well, if Kirby Smart in a roundabout way is tweeting about a Reed Gilbert, that's going to get some attention, along with the photo that folks saw of him at the title celebration and everything else. Now, there's another thing that's kind of out there where – Video of he and uh, Denylon Morissette and some others kind of doing some training stuff together. I think we have this we can show. Uh, yeah, so uh, FSF Recruits is one of these uh, Twitter handles that a lot of times has a little bit of video like this. Uh, you'll see Gilbert, for those of you watching on video, on your screen here in just a moment, kind of doing some running. And I don't know, man, it looks to be in pretty good shape, the best that I can tell. Uh, and, and so you got you know video of Gilbert training. You got Kirby Smart tweeting about the academic stuff. We've seen Gilbert in some UGA gear as recently as January. And it's one of those things of, well, come on, BA. All of this adds to something, doesn't it? And there's a part of me that says, yeah, I mean, it seems like things are going pretty well right now. I still, for some reason, I don't know why. Maybe some of you will reach out and say, there's no need to do this. Maybe you know this is not needed. But for some reason, there's a part of me that wants to temper my enthusiasm about all of this. And I think that my temptation to want to do that is on is out of respect for the journey that Gilbert's on. It's not easy to go through whatever it is that that has taken him off the football field. It's not an easy thing to go through. And so out of respect for what he himself has admitted that he is kind of enduring right now, I want to be respectful of his journey, I guess. And I'm not trying to be like a blowhard. I'm trying to be sincere that I want to be respectful of his journey. And I don't want to rush him on all of this. And I, I want to allow this to run its course, however it needs to, whatever time that, that it needs to take. But hard not to deny that things seem to be going pretty well for uh, Arik Gilbert uh, uh, right now, or at least that's the impression that we get. 
And just in case, just in case you need a reminder of why this is a big deal for UGA, because let's face it, uh, time passes quickly. News cycle spins fast. People have a tendency to not to have very long memories. It's been so long since we've seen an Arik Gilbert on the field. The time at Marietta High School seems like a very long time ago. His freshman season at LSU also seems like kind of a while ago now there as well. You can almost forget what Gilbert has the chance to be as a player when he is fully healthy, both mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, everything else. But let's let the words of Todd Munkin from back in August provide a reminder of here of why Gilbert, if he is back with George again, one that would be a very big deal because at the time, Munkin made quite a comparison that seems woo boy relevant now based on how well it's turned out for this guy. This is Todd Munkin from August. I think he's adapted well. He's a special talent because he's he's in the Brock Bowers mode and that he's athletic enough to play receiver but big enough to do some things on the interior. He's a size matchup. He's a run-after-catch guy. He loves to play the game. So, you know, we're excited that he's part of our program. So would you like to have another player at UGA, in, as Todd Munkin said, in the Brock Bowers mode? <laughs> Would you like to have that if you're UGA? My guess is you probably would. And Munkin's not the kind of guy that just goes around throwing compliments, you know, around very easily. This is a this is a pretty salty dude from time to time. But and when Munkin said that, I don't think we fully realized just how good Brock Bowers was going to be. But in retrospect, now that we do know how good that he is, to hear Munkin back in August say that we think that a Rick Gilbert's kind of in that Bowers mold. How'd you like to have two Brock Bowers? And <laughs> And see, this is me, this is me kind of getting to the hype thing, which I'm trying not to do. So, yeah, selfishly, I do hope that all of this for Gilbert adds up to what it seems like it could. And I'd love to see some of that during spring practice. I am going to hold off on saying, and that's definitely what's going to occur, because I don't know. And right now, I think a lot of us don't know. But to see some positive indications, to see some evidence of some potential good news, I think we'll take that as uh, kind of a nice thing. So, that's the story on all of that. Uh, and here we are on Dog Nation Daily. Now, we're going to get Drew Butler coming up about five minutes from right now. We'll talk to Drew about a couple of uh, uh, interesting things related to the world of name, image, likeness. Before that, though, let's do this. Let's go around the world of the rest of the SEC basketball tournament getting going. A couple of inter- other interesting things there as well. Let's do that as we go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, so we'll uh, get Drew Butler here coming up in just a little bit before that, though. Cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And there's still a little bit of time left. Now, there's not much time, but there's a little bit of time left that you can still book your travel to be on the Dog Nation cruise with us. Dognation.com, link at the top of the page. Get in there and see it. Leaving late April from Port Canaveral on Independence of the Seas, going to Nassau on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, having a great time. Myself, Mike Griffith, Jeff Sintel, a lot of the Dog Nation folks, and you, if you can join us. Uh, Got to do it quickly, though. Dognation.com, place to go to get there and to be a part of all of that. So cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me hit a couple of stories. So Missouri's going through spring practice right now, and one of the topics that's being discussed around the program is not for the Tigers on the field. It's some of the action around the program and the possibility that Missouri might still be interested in a transfer quarterback. One of the reasons why this comes up is because it was heavily rumored that Missouri was one of the teams that was in pursuit of Jaden Daniels, the former Arizona State quarterback, when Daniels put his name in the transfer portal recently. Ultimately, as you're aware, Daniels decided to go to LSU. So uh, 
after having lost out on Jaden Daniels, the question came up around Eli Drinkwitz this week of, are you interested in a transfer quarterback? And Drinkwitz played it kind of coy saying that we're not definitely taking one, but we're also definitely not taking one, basically making it sound like if the right guy were available, they might be interested in making that decision. Missouri's pretty young at quarterback right now. Now, for what it's worth, I think the incoming freshman Sam Horn, when he gets there, I think he's going to be a nice prospect. And I don't, you know, listen, Sam's got a lot of choices in life about, you know, he's a baseball player and everything else. But the former Collins Hill quarterback, if if they want to build something around Horn, I think they have a chance to do that. It was a very big recruiting win when Missouri got that over uh, Tennessee. But uh, but I think that Horn potentially has a very bright future. But as far as what they have right now, what they have going through spring practice, you know, it certainly seems like they're open to the possibility of something else. And the reason why I bring this up is is because Missouri's also been one of those schools that have been somewhat rumored for JT Dance. I don't have anything new for you on Daniels. We did ask Mike Griffith about that when he was here on Monday. I did mention that, you know, I, I think the the quick way with, with which Jaden Daniels left Arizona State, went to LSU – I think does kind of put a little bit of an interesting level of intrigue about what is next for JT Daniels. But as of now, we don't really know. But it is interesting to hear one of the schools that Daniels was rumored to have been in contact with openly say that, yeah, if the right transfer quarterback were to be available, we'd be interested in all of that. But uh, no word exactly on who that right quarterback is just yet. Uh, And the hardwood, the SEC begins its basketball tournament. Georgia was set to get going on this, taking place down there in Tampa. And Tom Crean facing questions. Our buddy Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution got a good uh, uh, story up on this there as well about the future for him there at Georgia. Crean basically saying that all questions about that are going to have to be directed to the Georgia Athletic Department. Honestly, I think that Crean's actually been a pretty good soldier throughout all of this. I don't have a negative word to say about Crean at all. I mean, clearly the results on the field or on the court are not what they're supposed to be. But, you know, Crean's also kind of played up the string here in kind of an admirable way. Seems like UGA, who never had much of a financial incentive to fire him during the season, they've kind of had to let this play out. I know there was like the one weird thing that happened at the one game, but honestly, I don't even know that I really care all that much about that. Um, as far as like who are potential replacements, Chip also wrote about that, some of the AJC. The big name here is Jonas Hayes. Obviously, Steve Forbes has now signed a contract extension, at least reportedly signed one at Wake Forest. That would seem to take his name out of the running on this. Andy Enfield at USC is a name that I'm kind of intrigued by here, uh, simply because I, back when I was a very big college basketball fan, when he was at was it Florida? What was it? Florida Gulf Coast. When they were Dunk City and Enfield was the coach there, that's one of my favorite like Cinderella teams of all time. And Enfield was was the coach of that team. He's at USC now. So not only was this a kind of a former darling of the of the Cinderella round. But also, he's at USC having a pretty good season. There's some, uh, you know, some interest there on that. You know, Jonas Hayes really is a pretty good recruiter, even if he's, you know, not the experienced head coach. The lack of head coaching experience makes me a little nervous there. But he's obviously a guy that's going to get some talk. And uh, Dennis Gates from Cleveland State. Uh, Gates was at one point in time, I believe, on Leonard Hamilton's staff at Florida State. So that's another guy that's got experience recruiting the state of Georgia and the Atlanta area. So, this, so the, those are some of the names being talked about as the next Georgia basketball coach from our buddy Chip Towers, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, as the SEC tournament gets going here. And then I'll also mention this very quickly. So Baker Mayfield is set to get a statue there at Oklahoma. And this is one of those things that brings up a couple things for me on this, and maybe we'll do more of this later on. But when you see the proliferation of statues around so much of college football, you know, multiple schools having multiple statues. Uh, 
the lack of statues at UGA at some point in time just gets a little weird, doesn't it? And I'm not just talking about Herschel Walker, although Herschel Walker would be the most prominent. I'm talking about a lot of guys. You know, Charlie Trippy. he's 100 years old, and he's you know still, uh, my understanding, in, in pretty good health. How great would it be for him to see himself get a statue at UGA while he's still around here? I, I don't know. This is one of those things I think we need to examine in greater detail at some point in time. There just seems to be a, a lack of statues at UGA that some of the other programs around the world of college football seem to have. But that's a different topic for a different day. Let me instead now turn our attention to something that's obviously dominated so much of the college football landscape for quite some time. And there are more changes seemingly on the horizon. Our next guest, Drew Butler, has actually written about some of that recently. He's also kind of followed that now from within the within the, the corridors of all this. With his uh, role there at Icon Sports, he joins us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management. It's great to speak to Drew for the first time in a while. Drew, thanks for being back on the show. We certainly appreciate your time. Yeah, B.A., thanks for having me on, man. Great chatting with you. Yeah, it's great to chat with you there, too. So I thought you had an interesting column that you wrote the other day about the way in which name image likeness is going to change, and I want to speak to you about a, a lot of that. But before we do that, let me just get a quick thought from you on this. Obviously, the last time you and I would have spoke on a show like this, Georgia was trying to kick in the door and win that national championship. Now they have. You obviously remain you know, pretty close around the program as a alumnus and a former letterman there. How fun was it for you to see Georgia get that national championship back in January and kind of get that monkey off the back of the program? Man, it was awesome. You know, I was up in Indianapolis, got to go to the game, and, and what a game it was. I've never seen so many just genuinely happy people together embracing one another uh, after Keeley took that interception back for a touchdown, and especially the contrast from how everybody felt after the SEC championship game, where essentially all hope was lost. You know, he kind of had to shake it off a few weeks later, looking towards that Michigan matchup. I felt really good heading into the Orange Bowl about how Georgia matched up against the Wolverines. And then optimism, that classic optimism that all Georgia fans have leading up to that national championship game. The way that team fought, persevered through really three and a half quarters of mediocre football to then put the hammer down, finally get that monkey off their back and be national champions. I'm, I'm just so proud of them, so proud of our university, the coaching staff, the support staff, uh, everybody involved. It was a real special ride, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more success in the future. Yeah, no doubt about that. And obviously when you think about the future of college football, you think about name, image, likeness, revenue, payments for the players being a big part of that in some form or fashion. Before we kind of get into some of what has happened, what's going to happen, Remind folks in your role there at Icon Sports, like how you are involved in the name, image, likeness world right now, and then we'll get into more detail about what's currently going on. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an executive vice president at Icon Source. Since 2018, Icon Source has been a digital marketplace that connects brands with athletes for endorsement deals. So with over 3,000 pro athletes and working with 500 plus sports agents, for three, four years now, Icon Source has functionality to allow brands, any brands, mom and pop shops to regional, national, you know, global brands to engage with athletes and their agents to facilitate actual endorsement deals. Think of social media activations, in-person appearances, speaking engagements, commercial shoots, autograph signings. All of those things can be done on our platform through software with contracts, payment processing, and that seemingly allowed icon source to have a great way to strategize their entrance into the college opportunity with name image and likeness i joined icon source in 2020 helped them pivot and set up what their functionality would be for student athletes and now you know it's nine months into nil we have thousands of student athletes and thousands of brands on our platform that can engage with one another with complete transparency for compliance and we protect them with contract templates we make sure that they get paid 
we just want student athletes to see any and every opportunity available to them. And it's been a lot of fun for these first nine months. So a word that we've heard used a lot lately is the idea of a collective. And there was a story at The Athletic recently about Tennessee and the collective that's been established to support their athletes. You hear, in some cases, rumors about this kind of stuff. In other cases, more tangible things. I believe the University of Texas already has a fairly large, well-established collective in place. And now Georgia's got one, too. What does that specifically mean from your perspective, the fact there is now an NIL collective that's been built and established and is set up to support UGA athletes? Yeah, collectives are the buzzword right now across the name, image, and likeness industry, and they're all well-intentioned, right? Uh, the NCAA has been very inactive in this new era. I think a lot of people did not expect that. And I think that's really hurting the student athletes. But what it is doing is it's allowing the free market to come up with ideas to support their university. So these collectives started popping up and there are groups of influential alumni and donors who want to pool together money to then spread around to the student athlete base to entice them to come, you know, obviously make it more attractive when they're on the recruiting trail. And Georgia just announced theirs a week and a half ago called the Classic City Collective. I think Georgia specifically across the national landscape of collectives is unique. It's unique in a couple of different ways. One, the CEO is Matt Hibbs. Matt worked in the compliance department at Georgia with the football team for years. So he has a very keen understanding of the rules of how student athletes are experiencing this new era. And then the director of operations is John Staten, who just won a national championship as a student athlete on the Georgia football team. So he knows in the locker room perspective, how this affects the daily grind of being a student athlete. The Classic City Collective, I see it as three arms. There's a charitable aspect with the DGD fund, which is what the five Georgia football players started a year ago to create positive change with causes that they care about. There is obviously the collective where if there is any entity or donor that wanted to support the collective and write them a check to donate to the collective, they can do that. And then Icon Source has provided the Classic City Collective with their own branded marketplace to where any brand, business, product, restaurant can click in and have access to the Georgia student athletes who are a part of the collective to then send them actual NIL endorsement deals, right? Social media activations, those autograph signings, those appearances, commercials, what I described to earlier. So the Classic City Collective is going about it the right way, saying we have many different ways you can activate student athletes. Uh, the other collectives that you mentioned, Texas A&M, Texas, Oregon, whatever, you know, they come out with these amazing articles talking about 25 to 30 million. Um, I have my, <laughs> my hesitancy about being able to corroborate some of those claims, but sure. it is certainly an exciting time, that's for sure. And I know George is going about it the right way. Yeah, so I think that's really interesting. And I kind of think it leads us into a couple, a couple other topics there as well. And you wrote an interesting column recently about this about how you think NIL is going to change in the future. We've already kind of gotten used to the change, the fact that it's a you know, a present factor in our conversation and maybe more evolution in the future. And this is one of the things you're going to touch on. And I'm curious if I have the right read on this. I sort of gather that some of the states that rush to get a name image likeness law on the books almost kind of regret doing so as quickly as they did now that the NCAA for the most part is just not really a participant in the oversight on all of this. And the sense that I get, I'm thinking about the state of Florida in particular here is one of the examples that comes to mind almost seems like that by putting an NIL law on the books, they've actually restricted what some of their schools in their state can do. For instance, the whole idea of pay for play. Right now, most state mm -hmm. laws seem to 
to, to restrict the notion that you can just pay a guy to come to your school or pay him just for playing on the team that most state laws seem to to favor the idea of the payment being for some sort of like marketability factor or whatever and i get the impression that some legislators regret writing the law that way what do you think about that and are we looking at an nil future where hey you can just pay a player because you want to or pay a player because he went to your school and you can do this to induce a recruit certainly something that right now by the letter of the law is not allowed yeah yeah it's all very interesting so i think the first thing is the states that put the nil bills in focus before july 1st of last year did it to protect their student athletes because the ncaa did not have a blanket approach until the 11th hour so governor kent signed a bill in georgia to essentially say hey our students can capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. And if the NCAA wants to do something about it and maybe jeopardize their eligibility, you're going to have to take the state to court. Florida did the exact same thing. They said, we want our student athletes to be able to monetize their NIL regardless of what the NCAA says. So they did it prior to July 1 as a protective measure to allow these kids to do so. The NCAA has completely fumbled the ball. Now they're being extremely reactive or inactive in those cases And those states are essentially saying, well, if you're not going to enforce any law, then we'll just repeal what we had written. So I wrote that article to essentially say, I don't think that's necessarily good for college athletics. I am not one to preach fatalism. I am obviously a huge proponent of student athletes getting paid. But I think there should be general guardrails to allow the free market to develop. And when I say that, I I compared it to the Autobahn in Germany. You know, Autobahn does not have a speed limit, but there is a median so that cars don't just go crashing into each other at 150 miles per hour. What I mean is there should be rules that say schools can't just pay kids to come to school. There should be rules that say schools can't actually put together deals for their student athletes because that really tilts the levers of equity in ways that we haven't seen before. You know, those D3, D2 schools can't keep up from a budget standpoint. There are schools in the Power Five that are drastically different when you look at bottom lines, and I just don't think that's healthy for college athletics, right? And then you look at should student athletes be employees? I mean, there is so much to uh, unpack there. If they were to become employees, I mean, I have my own thoughts about that. That will be the end of college athletics as we know it. There will be so many non-revenue sports that have to be canceled. Kids' scholarships might have to get taxed. You know, would they be – I mean, it is just – there's so much. I think college sports is heading in that direction, B.A. But we need to start with general guidelines and guardrails that are not restrictive – but that allow for people to play within the line, just like how there are sidelines on a basketball court. That's what we need, just some general boundaries to which this free market can continue to evolve. I think that's incredibly well said. Let me just be very honest about one thing. While I'm kind of excited about the idea that some players who deserve some money are getting a chance to get that, I do have a little bit of NIL skepticism, I have to admit that. And I guess one of the things I'm a little skeptical of is is why it is that some of the big brands that are out there haven't really weighed in on this too much yet. Like, like you know, in terms of we're coming up on a year of, you know, name, image, likeness stuff in, in the world of uh, college sports here. But to my mind, and maybe you'll tell me that you can uh, cite examples where it's different, but it doesn't really seem like the really big brands – have weighed in in a really big way as of yet. I mean, you have Dr. Pepper a little bit and things like that, but maybe it's been a little smaller than some people thought it would be uh, a year into it. What can you tell me more about that as somebody who works at this on the inside? Yeah, I think personally, in, in our opinion at Icon Source, is that the big brands have yet to dive into NIL because the industry is so fragmented, 
right? Different rules at different universities. Student athletes all over the place. Different guidelines within different conferences. You know, how are they going to aggregate the amount of student athletes that they want to make a real impact? If you're talking about Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper or Delta, if we're going to focus in on Atlanta-based companies, they're going to want to go out and get a lot of student athletes and send them opportunities and have a, a, a real efficient process. Sliding into DMs on Instagram, not getting responses from student athletes, juggling different rules at school to school. Delta's not going to do that. They're going to go, this is ridiculous. This is wasting way too much time. You know, we have other things to do. So what we're doing at IconSource is we're aggregating all those student athletes into one platform, just like we're doing with the Classic City Collective, to where if Delta wanted to access Georgia student athletes, they would click into that marketplace. They can click a few buttons and send out 50 offers in five minutes. That's the type of efficiency that the big brands need and that they don't have because there are so many stakeholders, and I call them gatekeepers in this NIL industry, that just want to get their hands on things. Mm -hmm. They want to negotiate deals before they even bring it to the student athletes. You got agents out there who are telling uh, a brand, no, 10 grand's not enough. I need 50 grand. And the brand's laughing at it going, okay, we're on to the next one. Forget about this. So we need to create that atmosphere and that environment where big brands feel comfortable to know hey, our marketing director can click into this platform and send out opportunities and get a deal done because they need to prove ROI for their bosses. And student athletes are the best way to do that, I think, as influencers within their respective markets. I want to be respectful of your time. I could talk about this all day long. Let me try to squeeze in two quick things before uh, we let you go. You mentioned a moment ago that you have some questions about the idea of some of these huge numbers that have been thrown around in terms of what you know, boosters connected to some schools have been doing. How about some of the valuations that we're seeing? Like if you go to like certain websites, they'll tell you that Bryce Young, for instance, has an NIL valuation of $1.6 million. Do you think that's a fair valuation of what he can make in the current market? You know, I find it fascinating. Um, I wish my valuation was $1.6 million. <laughs> and I would wonder, I would wonder if Bryce Young's representation agrees with that valuation. And I wonder if his representation likes that valuation being out there because then he has to negotiate against that. So those are types of things where I say, hey, the more information, the better. Um, I wonder if the student athletes like it or don't like it because they might be agree or disagree with it. But the numbers are astronomical. The, the effect that you can get in the positive ROI you can attain through leveraging some of these student athletes, social media is amazing. And, and we really believe at Icon Source that student athletes are different than influencers. Right. If you look at Stetson Bennett and he posts something, you know, Stetson Bennett's busy from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. He must really like this business. He must really like this product. I'll go take a look at it. He's speaking to people in the state of Georgia, University of Georgia fans, other football players. It's not just some influencer on TikTok who's shoving promo codes down your throat. This is different. You can get real access and engagement with the market that you're trying to appeal to. So. Uh, that's all really fascinating. I, I find it interesting for sure. And last thing for you, and you mentioned a moment ago the whole can of worms about potentially becoming employees, things like that. Putting that aside for a moment, because I do think that's a big topic on the rise, but putting that on, aside for a moment, if I'm a player at Georgia, you mentioned Stetson Bennett, let, let's use him as a for instance on this, and we're thinking about the version of that guy five years from now as this becomes a more fully formed idea. Am I more likely to get paid by a big brand who's using me as an endorser, or am I more likely to get paid by a big booster who's maybe now making just a don call it a donation, I guess. I don't know what the right word is, but basically giving money to a collective that eventually comes my way. Who's more likely to be a good source of income for me, the very rich booster or the very big company? 
you know, I think I think five years from now, uh, sports marketing will still remain the number one way in which student athletes can monetize their name, image, and likeness. That's meaning endorsement deals. Uh, obviously, these collectives at top tier universities, much like the Classic City Collective, are going to have no problem drumming up interest from boosters, fans, and supporters to generate that pool of money in which then they can allocate to student athletes as they see fit. So I would say that those, you know, endemic endorsement deals and creating those relationships, if I was a brand, you know who I wouldn't be going after? The senior who's got five more months on campus. I would be going after the freshman and the sophomore, developing that relationship and knowing that I can have two to three years with that person speaking positively on behalf of my brand in that area over a much longer period of time. So there's still a big education process for the brand to just really understand the value that they can get leveraging and working with a student athlete. And I always tell student athletes, the relationships you can build by just having conversations with these business owners, with these people who want to support you and your universities, um, that's something that I was very, very grateful for while at Georgia. And a big reason I moved back to the state of Georgia uh, from Scottsdale, Arizona, which my wife and I absolutely love. We love Georgia. Um, and there's a reason we're back here, and we love the University of Georgia as well. Yeah, Drew, a lot of these folks know you get a golfer out of Scottsdale, you've really done something. So to say goodbye to all those courses, it had to have been a good <laughs> opportunity for you. I certainly understand that. And as we say goodbye to you, I'll let you know that, and I mean this in all sincerity, that as college sports changes, we got to have people who love college sports kind of at the forefront of helping make some of these decisions or guiding athletes as they make the decisions. So I'm glad to have you on that wall because I know how much you love the sport or just the idea of college sports in general. we got to have guys who love it who are doing this kind of thing, and I am glad to know that you're one of the people that's involved in all this because I know how much you care about the sport thriving for a long time to come. So thanks for the work that you're doing. Thanks for helping us be aware of more of that, and I know we'll look forward to speaking to you in the very near future as a lot of this kind of stuff uh, evolves there. Absolutely, B.A. Really appreciate the time and, and always here for you if you have any more questions. Sounds good. That's uh, great stuff there from Drew Butler. Obviously a terrific former dog. Uh, and I said before, you know, he's clearly a sharp guy. But what's more important than that is when it comes to, like, people who are in the boardroom when these kinds of things are happening, it can't be just somebody who likes the dollar. Listen, I like the dollar. <laughs> I, I want as many of them as I can get. But if all you've got are people who want the dollar – then eventually you're going to have a bunch of dollars but no college sports. And that's not a very good trade-off. And I think that guys like Drew Butler understand that. And if you go – like the column that he wrote was at LinkedIn. I'll, you know, If you go to Drew's Twitter feed, you can see the link to the column. And this is, uh, I think, a very even-handed perspective. Some of the things you heard Drew Butler say there are echoing some suspicions that I've had about you know certain things. And you know Drew obviously comes to this from the pro-NIL perspective because he's, you know, he's helping athletes get NIL deals. But I think it's a very even-handed look at what's going on there. I think that's really good stuff from Drew Butler, and I am truly grateful that some of the people who are involved in some of these things are people who, who you know, care about the college athletes who are trying to make sense of this. And listen, if you're a college athlete, of course you want to cash in on something like that. But what are your realistic opportunities to be able to do that? What's real right now? What's some crazy rumor that Bro Bible has vomited out? You know, knowing the difference between one and the other, I think is a very important thing. And I'm glad to have sharp people helping athletes do that. And obviously Drew there at Icon is certainly an example of that. Uh, let me also tell you about our friends at Finish Long Drink here. Great chance to settle in and enjoy this time of year. You know, 
a lot of times when I think about finished long drink for whatever reason, I think about being outside and just kicking back and relaxing. And uh, I think finished long drink goes really well with that. I'm not kicking back and relaxing today. It's miserable, miserable weather. But guess what? Finished long drink takes really good indoors too. You know, curl up by the fire or something like that. Enjoy one of the four different varieties that finished long drink has for you online, thelongdrink.com. You can go there. You can learn about long drink cranberry, which is a red can, the long drink traditional. It has kind of a citrus flavor and it's a blue can got the gin kick to it long drink zero no carbs no sugar long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume or you can get the eight can variety pack which is two different cans of each of the four different long drink varieties this comes from helsinki 1950s that's when the summer games were there that's one of the finish that's one it's called the finish long drink um and it's a cool story you can read more about that some of the celebrities who are kind of a part of all this with them and you can also find out how you can enjoy some yourself. Put in your zip code. It'll tell you where you can get some. Folks back on golf courses again. Finish long drink, a big part of the golf scene here in the Atlanta area. Bars, beverage stores, all that kind of stuff. Check them out online, thelongdrink.com. So I really enjoyed Drew Butler today. I thought that was very, very good. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about what Drew had to say as the uh, days roll on here but for now let's say goodbye to you in style with our golden shoe our gator haters who always bring this up and by the way speaking of the long drink how about our buddy thad stokes checking in to say found these gems to bring home to a dog household in panama city beach florida obviously prayers out to the folks in bay county right now because i know they're also dealing with some wildfires down there too but uh the cool look at that georgia hat let's go back to that one for a second look at that georgia hat uh very nice and sharp and how about the long drink traditional and the long drink cranberry good stuff there uh, from my buddy Thad Stokes. So thank you for supporting the finished long drink and uh, Golden Shoe coming your way. Also this, we have all kinds of very important people in our audience. How about our buddy uh, Kirby's Bowl Cut check in on Twitter to say the National Championship Trophy stopped by his office. I'm assuming this is the real deal here. It certainly looks to be that way. Maybe it's not, but it looks to be the real deal. How about that? Uh, very cool to see. I was once in the same room with that trophy there as well, and that was a very fun thing for me. And I'm glad to know that one of our listeners had that there as well. Golden shoot coming your way there as well for the golden trophy that will be forever etched in all of our minds. I tell you who does not have a trophy to take a picture with. That is those are those lousy, stinking gators because it's been 4,808 days since Florida has won a national championship. Tough to be a gator these days and going to be tough to be a gator again. 234 days from right now that is our gator hater countdown we will see all of you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by breda pest management and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take a few comments here just for a moment of course all brought to you by our friends at rs andrews the one you turn to for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs i can't remember if i said this on the regular show or not but you know there's this time of year where you kind of jump the gun. You may have even noticed this with my RS Andrews reads as of late where I've been like, hey, air conditioning units, get tuned up, get ready, spring's coming. And it is, but a lot of that was based on the enthusiasm coming from the warm weather we enjoyed a lot last week. And then it's warm weather that is not lasting. It's pretty cold here in the Atlanta area where I am today. And we're just talking with my producer, Michael Carvel, about you know getting ready for the weekend and some baseball stuff going on, NASCAR's in town. And at least on Saturday, it's going to be very, very cold. So uh there is all of that uh so it's one of those things where (laughs) you get excited about spring you start talking about air conditioning and then now it's back to having the heat turned on either way whether it's heating or air conditioning or whatever you need rs andrews the one to go to for all of that rsandrews.com for a lot more so one of the things we talked about the other day on video was you know there was obviously the players is this week in ponte vedra florida that's one of the i think one of the great golf tournaments of the year i think that there are 
of the great events in golf, I believe the players is the third best event in all of golf. To me, nothing rivals the Masters. That's number one. I'd say in the years in which it takes place, the Ryder Cup is number two. The international competition between the United States and Europe, to me, is the second best event in golf, especially when it's on American soil, the crowds and everything like that. It's just great. Uh, the third best event in golf, I believe, is the players. It's in Ponte Vedra this week, and there's been a little bit of a college football theme to some of this. Uh, StoryDogNation.com the other day about Kevin Kisner kind of giving some ribbing in the direction of Mac Jones, and there was a Golf Channel thing the other night with uh, Nick Saban, and Justin Thomas, of course, JT is a uh, former Bama guy and a big, big Bama fan. So there's a lot of college football in the world of golf anyway. And uh, this week at the Players down in Ponder Vedra, where it's also a little bit cold, uh, kind of the same thing going on. So we got kind of talking about that. And I've always said that, you know, like I'm not good at golf, but the 17, the Island Green there, that's a shot that I should be able to perform, meaning that more often than not, nine iron or so in your hand from about 120 yards or so, I ought to be able to do that. I mean, the, the, the green itself is pretty big, and yet I'm not overselling my own ability here because I also fully acknowledge that, you know, it seems that way, but obviously on such a historic hole with all that energy creeping in, I've never been a great athlete performing under pressure, to be totally honest with you, that I was kind of wondering, hey, if you gave me that shot on that green, of course you can play. It's very expensive to play, but you can play it. You know, would I be able to do it? So we had that conversation on video the other day. Our buddy JD Dogwalker on Twitter says there's actually a replica of the 17th from Ponte Vedra where you can play three shots for $5. He says it's at the World Golf Village, uh, which is just two exits south of Ponte Vedra that's kind of near uh, St. Augustine. I didn't actually know that. That's really cool. He said my son worked there for a couple of summers while in college. That's actually really cool. Um, I think I would I think I'd want to do that. And now, listen, the pressure is totally different because when you've spent 700 bucks on your round and you're playing the same course you see on TV, you know, and you're, you're playing the same shot you've replayed in your mind over and over again, you know, that's a, just a different type of thing. But to have a replica of that hole that you can play for a much cheaper price – and really what it's kind of a nice area for golf anyway i'm actually it's actually cool that jd shares that that's that's really very interesting another comment comes from our buddy fantastic six who's always tweeting some interesting stuff saying have you ever noticed that georgia always seems to have a walker on its teams it started with herschel walker then it was trayvon walker craig walker now it's jalen walker yeah, i guess there are a lot of walkers a lot of walker heritage there at uga never really fully considered that uh pretty interesting stuff so your comments always well received here for our podcast cool down appreciate that we'll also see you back here tomorrow it's presented by rs andrews online rsandrews.com if your water heater goes out in many cases rs andrews can replace it for you the same day so make sure you find them online for all of that also check us out we'll be back here again tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by breda pest management we'll look forward to seeing you then